When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. I'm going to speak to Andy Harper uh, very shortly about everything that's happening uh, in the world of football. If you're not catch, you haven't caught up on the Premier League scores uh, overnight, another bad night for Chelsea, beaten convincingly at home uh, by Manchester City. And Leicester City, uh, having another really good season, they got the points uh, as well. So uh, a couple of the the big guns in the Premier League uh, getting the points this morning. And the A-League uh, also underway. And uh, some, a few surprising results on the weekend. I think Andy Harper uh, is there now. Uh, Andy, Happy New Year to you. Julian, you too, mate. You too. Happy to speak with you. Hope you're well. I'm very well. How was the New Year for you and the family? Well, mate, it was quiet. My New Year's Eve was taken up with A-League uh, and then a drive home. But I don't think I missed anything because uh, there's not a lot going on at the moment. Everyone's pretty quiet. Um, and it's also been very wet up here. So uh, the, the, the party spirit was dampened on, for a number of reasons. Yeah, no, I think it was pretty quiet down here as well, I must admit as well, with no one sort of descending on the city. But as you mentioned, the A-League is back. Uh, a lot of matches in a, in a short space of time, which is fantastic. But... Uh, Central Coast uh, winning the, their first two games has surprised a lot of people. Is is this a sign that they're going to be a much improved team this year or is this them just catching a couple of teams on the hop? Well, I don't think it's necessarily either, to be honest. Um, we'd, we'd like to think that uh, the Mariners will be a, a way more formidable opponent this year than they've been in recent years. But... Um, you know, we've we've cut them a bit of slack in previous years and got a bit excited before the fact. And, you know, one or two good performances and, and people have been very keen to say that the ship has been turned around. And that's more out of goodwill, I think, than anything else. But, but the, the club hasn't been able to deliver. So uh, I'm not here to rain on the Mariners' early season parade at all. Uh, and I'm very happy for the start they've had. But it's way too early to say if uh, they're a serious title contender at this point. Um, I'm just very happy with the robustness of their first couple of performances uh, and now very keen, like most people, to see if they can push on. I mean, game one was New Year's Eve against the Newcastle Jets um, and they, they won that one fair and square, there's no question. Notwithstanding the fact that Mark Birgidian goal had to make the two outstanding saves to keep the Jets at bay, uh, they still deserve to win the game. Um, and then they go away with that win under their belt, to, to play MacArthur at home and, and steal them by two goals to nil, and with a very strong performance uh, as well. Um, so not necessarily they caught other teams on the hop. The league can throw these sorts of, of, of performances up, but um, I, I just hope it can continue because there's been a long time between drinks for Mariners fans. Yeah, that, that was such a, a fantastic club there for a, for a long time with their on-field performance. I want to ask you about. I'll ask you about the Melbourne victory shortly in terms of your expectations this season. Disappointing start, losing three-one at home. But just talking before about you know David Warner and the fact that he might play in this Test match, even though 
he's not 100% fit. Can you explain to me why Melbourne Victory left Marco Rojas on the field when it was clear that he had a hamstring problem? Well, uh, I can't, actually. And I think what's... I'm not sure if there's any uh, official diagnosis has come out from the club. Um, Grant Bredner's answer to that question was Marco said he was fine. And so uh, we let him run with that. Um, and then it's gotten to a point, obviously, where Marco says, I, I can't continue. And this is an important distinction. Marco's got to a point where he said, either I can't continue or I shouldn't continue. I'm not sure which of the two is the case. If it's I, I can't continue, then you, you, it sounds like he might have done a bit more damage. Um, if it's I shouldn't continue, it it might be the case that the twinge you felt early on, which everyone's reacting to, and I completely understand why they're reacting to it, but if, if he feels like it's just not improving and it's on the cusp of getting worse, and he said, that that's enough for me, that's a different scenario, if you can understand what I'm saying. So I think we're all in the hands of the football club to see exactly what they find with this. Um, I hope for the sake of the football club, it's a case... It's the case where Marco decided he shouldn't continue rather than I can't continue because you don't want to be risking so early in the season your top talent and Marco shouldn't be risking himself. Um, and maybe, depending on what news comes out, um, maybe Grant Bredman's learned a very serious early lesson in his managerial career. Yeah, they're waiting for scan results on that today. We saw Andrew Naboo for, for Melbourne City too hurt his hamstring in their first game of the season. What was your What's your thoughts on the Melbourne victory heading into the season? We know... Always the language out of Melbourne victory is, you know, they expect to win things. And obviously last year was a major disappointment for them. What was your expectation of victory going into this season? Um, well, I thought that, that um, apart from everything else, the, they had a, a, a bit of a jump on most of the rest of the competition because of their um, uh, contribution, participation in the Champions League, right? Which wasn't looking great when we went into the recess. And, and then, as difficult as it turned out from a Champions League viewpoint, when they resumed that competition in November into December, what it did for Victory, Sydney and Perth Glory was give those football clubs serious football competition uh, in preparation for the new A-League season that the other clubs weren't going to get. And then, when Melbourne Victory qualify out of their group and get an extra competitive match, you know, that's, that, that's four very, very difficult mm matches in the pre-season that the other teams just did not get. There was no FFA Cup this year. They were having to play, you know, scratch matches against other A-League opponents who were all in similar states of, of readiness. So this is a big advantage for Melbourne Victory uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a match fitness sense. And then the confidence that getting out of, you, out of the group stage into the round of 16, I don't think, can be measured for, you know, a new team, a lot of kids, a new coach um, up against some big money opponents it's a big achievement, and that the confidence should have gone like a wave through the whole football club. Um, and the first half on Saturday night, or I'm, thinking, I'm saying Saturday, I'm still in weekend mode, whenever the game <laughs> It's hard to know what day it is at the moment. The, the other night, the first half against Brisbane, I'm thinking all these chickens have come home to roost. This looks like a team that's had four uh, really hard matches in Champions League. Uh, I know they've been in quarantine, which probably dense and dull some of the senses in between time. But the first half against Brisbane Raw um, was outstanding, I thought. And I thought, here we go, here we go. Um, and the goal from McManaman was just exactly yeah. what the Victory fans could have celebrated. How good was that? 
to watch a new player score like that on home. But the second half just collapsed. I thought they were rudderless, uh, passionless. Um, this is what it looked like. And Brisbane just steamrolled them. And it was a worry. The second half was a worry. Losing your first game of the season is disappointing. Losing like that at home first game of the season um, was just not good enough for Melbourne victory. And the first half promised so much and the second half just just killed it. Yeah, it was, it was certainly uh, very disappointing. Just talking about Melbourne City, uh, it's not the biggest stadium in Australia, is it? Uh, or Cooper Stadium, I think it's known as now. But, geez, a great atmosphere in there. 10,000 there yesterday. And certainly uh, the, the home side, Adelaide United, came to the party. They, they played some really good stuff. Yeah, they did. Colby's an excellent coach. Um, he's got a young team. And this is Adelaide United, the outstanding club in the country for for providing opportunities and developing young players and throwing them onto the national scene. and You know, they haven't got enough room to keep them all. And, and Melbourne City's been a large beneficiary of the Adelaide production yep. line. Um, Carl Viet is a... I don't know how long he's been waiting formally for a chance. I know he's been coaching in the system over in South Australia and and then he was uh, Gertrude Bebeck's assistant. And so that brought him close to the belly of the Adelaide United Beast and it's looking now like quite an obvious thing to have given him the job. I think he's doing a fantastic job. The team plays with vigour. Um, it plays with speed. It plays with confidence. Um, and it plays with a lot of kids who, who are just not scared of trying anything. I, you know, I think he's set up a really good template there. And Melbourne City, I thought, were they contributed to a very good game. Of course, the balance of power tipped when Scotty Jamison got uh, sent off. Um, and they struggled from that point on. And Melbourne City are a lot of people's fancies to win the competition. I think it's a bit more tight than that. Um, you know, I think they've got some excellent players, but I don't know that the foreigners they've got necessarily actually tip them over the edge into favouritism. I think that's one area where that club can, can um, bolster its strength. Um, but it was a really good game, a great result for Adelaide, and, and particularly given the youth of their squad, will, will the important confidence that will come from a win like that might set them up nicely for the comp. Talking to Andy Harper from Fox Sports about all things A-League and the world of football. Uh, we're on air, or I was on air with Simon Hill uh, on New Year's Eve when this news came through that finally the A-League clubs had, had got their wish and they'd got their independence. Um, from your point of view, what does this mean in the short term? And I guess more importantly, in the long term for the future of the A-League? Well, independence of, an, of the A-League, independence of the, of the men's professional competition is not a new concept. Um, you know, this was mooted decades ago as necessary. I know the PFA, when it was um, uh, promoting the Australian Premier League model and when Brendan Schwab was the CEO, etc., um, was promoting the independence of the league from the Football Australia body. I know when the Crawford Report was tabled in 2003-04, uh, it recommended the league separate, operate as a, as a separate entity from the rest of the game. Uh, and the Lowy administration uh, obviously opted not to do that. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, the whole thing really blew up when um, when the private owners of the, who run the A-League clubs decided that if they're going to maximise their investment, they need more control uh, over the competition. Um, and that control was formally handed to them on New Year's Eve with whatever legal separation has taken place. It's a very wordy document It goes for... Uh, you know, hundreds of pages, this legal document, apparently. But what it means for the for the league uh, and is that the owners now have got what they've craved, and that is 
the necessary control uh, over the commercial rights um, so that they feel like they can invest in their clubs. Um, and to the extent that club owners um, have not fully invested the way they might in their fo football operations, you'd have to think that fans of the game have been shortchanged. Um, and now that uh, the clubs have that ownership uh, as they've negotiated, importantly with Football Australia retaining uh, a key stake in the game, um, now it's up to the clubs to do what they said they were going to do all along, um, except that apart from those comments, we don't know the detail. But they should feel free now to be investing in the comp that, that they materially own and can invest in and for the sake of their teams and the fans I'd like to think will be the winners because of um, the, the, the newfound energy that goes into promoting the competitive charge of each club. How important is getting the marketing and the promotion of the A-League right again? Just my opinion, I feel like the early days it was spot on, a great theme song it was such a big part of the summer sports calendar. It's still a big part but it, it just feels like it's it slipped away a little bit. Is that something the A-League needs to focus on, just getting a bit more on the front foot and, and promoting the good parts of its competition? Well, I think, Julian, I think they're all parts of a competition that's energised. Um, marketing and promotion are key parts of a competition that's energised and they're key parts of an ownership group that's energised, re-energised about the league. Um, and... You know, it's a symptom of the slackness that's crept in, the inertia that's crept in, the, the fact that you know, maybe the league hasn't been um, marketed and promoted the way it might be. Um, but to have a whiz-bang marketing and promotion campaign isn't going to fix everything. And, and I actually think um, the, the first thing that separation needs to confirm in the minds of fans is that every owner or ownership group um, of the clubs in the, in the top competition in the land are hell-bent on winning the competition. I, I just don't think you can... Uh, it's just marketing anything else, promoting anything else, is a lame-duck mm. policy. It's a lame-duck campaign. If the people who actually own the clubs don't care if they win it or not. I mean, you, you want fans to be yep. connected to your colours and your badge, then your fans need to know that that club is doing everything it can with the resources it's got to win the competition. And the notion that, um, it, that is, if it lingers at all, that there are owners there who've come in, bought a licence, and are just looking to flip it to the first person who mm. comes so that they can make a few quid, doesn't cut it with fans. Fans aren't going to care more about a club than the person or people who are bankrolling it. They can't. And in my opinion, if fans get the sense that they're potentially caring more for this than the people who are charged um, to, who own the thing, then that's a, that's a key break in the yeah. relationship. And, and the owners have to take the fans with them on this competitive journey. Um, one of the reasons I believe why Melbourne Victory, as one club, have been so successful uh, over the course of the journey is because of that communication between, even if it's unspoken, between the ownership group um, and the fans is that we're both desperate to win this competition. You, you can see it with the victory board and owners when they do cutaways at ground. They, they feel every kick. Yeah. They ride every wave of the game just like the fans do. Um, unfortunately, over the course of the league, I don't think you could say that about every single club. And 
you have to be able to say that about every single club. Otherwise, whatever marketing and promotion you do just falls flat. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that goes that goes for any sport, doesn't it? And we've seen that in in, in football overseas with some of the ownership uh, of the Premier League clubs as well. Speaking of the Premier League, Andy, uh, about 10 days ago, all the pressure was on Mikhail Alteta. Uh, he's turned it around a little bit, yeah. three wins in a row for Arsenal, but it's gone across London. Frank Lampard, Chelsea in a really sticky patch at the moment, beaten comprehensively this morning by Manchester City 3-1 at home, and it could have been more. That's how dominant Man City were. Given the owner that Chelsea's got, that they, they do turn over managers quickly, should Frank be getting a little bit worried with this with this run of results? Well, or? well, well there's a, there, there, you get to this point where people start talking behind their hands on the back of their hands, Julian, don't you? And it's not a good sign. Um, and you would think if Abramovich is going to be loyal to anyone or more loyal than he is to, to other people, it would be to someone like Frank Lampard. Um, and I think, uh, well, we, needless to say, we don't have the psychology or the mindset of a Roman Abramovich, so we, we don't know how deep those ties are. But the most people... Um, having discussions like this would sort of be inclined to think that he might show a bit more patience to Lampard than he would to someone else. Well, yeah. time will tell on that. Mm. But the chattering um, out of England is that they play Fulham next, I think it is. Um, and if they don't beat Fulham, then he could be for the chop. Now, that's going to be a big call. Uh, if that happens, uh, I'm not sure it's going to. I, I, I tend to think he might show a bit more patience. Um, but if that happened, that would just completely re-emphasise, as if we need a reminding, just how bloody-minded this game can be. Because, uh, you know, it's not often you get a club hero emerge to coach a team like this and then to behead that guy. So, um, well, we're obviously going to wait with bated breath. The Mikel Arteta thing is instructive. Uh, things can turn quickly. There's no shame in losing to a Manchester City mm. who, by the proclamations of coach... Uh, Pep Guardiola said that sort of football is the reason we won titles. Um, and so, you know, that Melbourne, that Manchester City can flip the switch shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, and maybe people are looking into a home loss against uh, Manchester City within the context of this season of Manchester City's comparative struggles. But a, a club with players of that quality can flip the switch. And if you're on the receiving in that particular day, maybe that should be taken into consideration as well. Look, it's nervous times for Chelsea. Um, you couldn't put anything past the owner to act drastically. Uh, I think most of us, the human side of most of us, would like to think it's going to get a bit more time because we value those things like loyalty, etc. But maybe it's more bloody-minded than that. Yeah, Fulham, Burnley and Wolves, the next three for Chelsea. Just finally, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Andy, the great man, he keeps... Scoring two more goals this morning for Juve. He's now overtaken Pelé. 758 yeah. goals, Pelé 757. A, how would Pelé feel about that? And B, would Pelé argue he scored more goals than that? No, he probably. <laughs> probably just without the digital records necessarily proven. I don't know. Look, I, I, I had to sort of throw my hands up a while ago now and tell you I've run out of words to describe Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, it, it's just phenomenal. In this day and age, at that level of football, that you can still be doing so well uh, into his 30s now, no sign of slowing down. Um, you know, the amount of preparation analysis uh, that goes into uh, stopping players like him, stopping teams like Juve, um, and still this guy scores 
after as game after game is scoring goals. The, the only thing intergenerationally, and I, I sort of try and resist making these comparisons, but um, you know, in the old days of a Pele into a Maradona sort of thing, um, with less regulation and more brutal defences, um, and and no video replays. <laughs> You know, I, I think physically someone like Ronaldo might have had a bit more of a difficult time <laughs> yeah. to look at some of the old footage and, and just the hatchet jobs that were done on Maradona over the years. We, thankfully, we don't see that in the modern context, but what you get maybe is a, a bit more of a skewed statistic. Look, I'm a massive fan of both Ronaldo and Messi. I don't want to say anything that's going to take away from their achievements, um, if anyone's sort of suggesting that I am. Um, but he's just a phenomenon. He really, it's just incredible. Uh, I, I, I've given up trying to find a new way to describe it. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky we've lived in this era, haven't we, with, uh, you know, Messi and Ronaldo being so dominant for so long. Andy, always great to chat. I hope the weather improves up there, and we look forward to seeing you on Fox Sports uh, when the A-League resumes on Friday night. Thanks for having me, Jules. Good on you, mate. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.